Welcome to the Shadow Things Podcast. jump right in we got three great topics to talk about our guest uh kurt e haas now just to introduce kurt a little bit kurt has um a really a really nice background in all things shadowy so kurt has a bachelor's of arts and philosophy from the ohio state university kurt also studied history in college He's been a historic reenactor and researcher for more than 30 years and also passes the time dabbling in genealogy. So Kurt's been interested and involved in paranormal topics since childhood. Kurt's been actively participating in occult studies for more than 20 years. Uh, He joined a private paranormal research team called the Orion Group in the late 1990s and then later joined up with Parex Research Foundation in the early 2000s where I later met and worked with Kurt Uh, conducting residential and commercial investigations into paranormal claims. Um, So that's Kurt. Kurt, welcome aboard. Hey, how you doing today? We're doing great. Uh, It's really nice to have you on our second official episode. Um, I think that as a first guest, you're the one that I really wanted to bring aboard early on and have you kind of become part of the family. And we've we've talked about the fact that uh, we would like to have you come back repeatedly and kind of be that 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 token guest that everybody gets comfortable with. Um, so you were you were f- the first call as far as my <laughs> my, my guests go. So um, I appreciate you. Coming well, I appreciate that. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, your your pilot episode was 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 excellent, uh, and you both kind of got into a topic uh during the end of the pilot episode wondering why things like tri-field meters and things are are used uh in paranormal investigating looking for ghosts why people you know think oh this is electricity and and while i think that at least for me it's it's almost a no-brainer um but I, I can give you kind of sort of a background in why they people think that. I mean, it all kind of really started, you know, the ancient Chinese with the chi and the life force. Sure. But when you when you look at physics and you start looking at what it is, what what material is, what what things the couch or the chair you sit in, including yourself. So. Um, we're all made up of atoms. Yeah. And in it, you know, you go to your basic science class in elementary school, which I think they do a horrible job trying to explain that <laughs> atoms are in everything and therefore electricity is in everything. And uh, uh-huh. 
everything relates to electromagnetism. Uh, they show you the electromagnetic spectrum in school, but they don't explain to you that everything is electromagnetic spectrum. Every single thing. So it's kind of like uh, in Star Wars, the Force. The Force is in everything. I, I like everything the Force, Kurt. Just to throw that in there, I, I really enjoy the for, Force. You know, it, it's in everything, period. Whether so, it's organic, inorganic, living, not living. So could the Force so be we, a real thing? I'm, that's kind of what I'm trying to say, but that Force is electromagnetic energy. I like it. Insert uh, lightsaber yes. sound. Right. <laughs> so, so if you look at an atom, you've, the basic idea of an atom is that you have a nucleus, which is protons and neutrons. And then surrounding that is a group of, or even a singular, electron. And everything else in that atom is just space between it, between the electrons and the nucleus. Uh, a physicist, molecular physicist, will tell you that you know, 90% of an atom is just space. There's nothing there. But what keeps, what makes that atom the atom it is, and that is the electron is, has this force field that it's traveling through, keeping it a distant, uh, away from the nucleus, hmm. a certain distance. And with that, so certain atoms might, might combine with other atoms. So, like water, you have uh, H2O, two hydrogen right. atoms combined with a, a uh, oxygen atom, and that creates, you know, water. Well, those bonds are, you know, a, a, the electromagnetism between that hydrogen atom, those two hydrogen atoms and that one oxygen atom, they link up, they say hello, they enjoy being together, so their force <laughs> fields combine. Right, kind of like the e-harmony of thermodynamics. Exactly, and 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 I'll go into that a little bit further sure. here in a minute. Um, so, what can be? Um, it's hard to. If you've got two atoms and they don't combine, there's something that keeps them from attaching, and that's like a force field. Hmm. Uh, so when you sit in a chair, even though there's the space between the atoms in your butt and the atoms of the chair you don't fall through the chair. Right. Why is that? Because the force field of the chair, which is an inorganic thing, mm -hmm. and the force field of your body, the atoms in your body, they don't combine. Nor do they fall through each other, even though they're, they're all made up of 90% nothing. That's kind of amazing when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, that's pretty intriguing. Wow. Yeah. It <laughs> but it, that, that force field is electromagnetic energy. It's, wow. it's also the same thing. Let's take Joe Rogan, for example. He's doing an MMA fight, and he punches a guy in the face. <laughs> so that punch, the atoms in his hand don't combine with the atoms in the guy's face. Right. So then we have other elect electromagnetic reactions in that situation. The guy who he hits gets hit in the face, and now his the skin molecules send electromagnetic signals to his brain saying hey you just got punched in the face right and it hurts like it stimulates it's the not, neurons it's not enjoyable yeah <laughs> right so all of that is electromagnetic energy and it's all electricity right now the big the biggest problem that you encounter with with the 
with these ideas is is it measurable yeah yeah that's that's a big part of it um so i mean there's the whole so today's paranormal researchers or ghost hunters they they base their entire premise of using instrumentation during ghost investigations or the research around the fact that energy cannot be created or destroyed so Correct. i guess why is that um and and why why do we feel as paranormal researchers that it's going to affect our instrumentation or why is it measurable like you said well there are scientists that you know will tell you you know it, it is electromagnetic energy we just we don't have the technology at this point to measure something so minute you know the 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 electron swirling around uh the neutrons in a skin a cell in, in your skin it, it's so minute um because of that energy though existing and you know your brain we have electrocardiograms that study mm. your heart electroencephalograms that study the electric uh stuff in your in your head um those are strong enough and measurable enough where all of the the surrounding energy of your all these different chemical processes and electro processes going on in your body um they're not measurable and at the same time even if they even if they were a little bit stronger and more measurable the question is why yeah how, um, how would that is, is there would, a medical reason to look at it is there a, a spiritual reason to look at it and that's where the right. paranormal comes in you know these people want to say well you know we're, we're made up of energy and energy can't be created or destroyed only changed which is you know the laws of thermodynamics but does yeah. that really honestly say well that which is definable as brett fair right after death that energy stays exactly combined the way it was when it was brent and is it measurable i like that yeah I mean, we are energy we're all sure every everything everything that exists i mean the microphone in front of you the chairs you guys are sitting on that energy exists and will always be right always be we're, we're all part of the big bang when the big bang blew we're all part of that that energy that initial energy that created everything around us we're all part of that and, and one of the one of the things that we use to measure energy like sound is that you know everything like you described kurt you know the microphone or that that door over there vanessa's microphones or headset has a resonance everything has a frequency and where do you get a frequency from i mean you get it from energy that's how the sound transfers between this mic and you're it's your, all electromagnetic it's energy. all it's yeah the electromagnetic spectrum so you see so you see a lot of the things that um you know we use every day are affected or are part of you know that electromagnetic spectrum um but you don't really appreciate it because there there's there's so much of it going on is that right kurt oh oh yeah absolutely yeah. i mean you don't see the electromagnetic energy sure. holding the atoms that that make your body you don't see that holding it together right but it is yeah so i mean I, every single cell i mean how many how many 
I don't know, immeasurable number of atoms make up your body. Right. Immeasurable. <laughs> yeah, I think you hit the right word yeah. there. Let me ask you a question, Kurt. So you talked about um, the, the possibility or theory that maybe the paranormal end of the the measurable energy is so minute that we just can't you know we we it's barely detectable or maybe it is detectable but let me ask you this so with that being said maybe it affects our instrumentation maybe it doesn't so maybe it is measurable to some degree depending on you know what you're using or your beliefs and how you're using it or how you're trained to use some of the instrumentation but how does energy in terms of spirit energy how does it come into play when a paranormal researcher's theory might be that a spirit uses energy to manipulate physical objects like open doors or slide something across the table? Well, I mean, they would probably be using the electromagnetic force, the energy that they're made up of, to move using those force fields, those atom force fields like I was describing earlier, Yeah. to, to push things. Um, but I mean, it still it, it still doesn't answer the question. Maybe not consciously, though. I mean, I, I'm sure that Dead Uncle Charlie's not up in heaven or that other plane of existence. Going, let me manipulate this atom by doing this. Maybe they're just acting as they were in human form and simply moving it with their their physical will, I guess. But it, but it, and and in that other plane of existence, you know, it's really just the atom manipulation. Right. Well, I mean, that, that energy, I mean, if it still is definable as Uncle Harry, um, there's nothing that says that it wouldn't have that, that ability to move objects. I mean, the question is, yeah. the energy that we're made up of surviving intact as an identifiable yeah, that's Uncle Harry energy after death. Ah. I see. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So I mean, our identity, I mean it, it's that it's a huge subject in philosophy. What is yeah. your identity? I mean, it, are we just, you know, this combination of electromagnetic energy and chemical reactions? Is there more to it? And there's a lot in different cognitive science uh, uh, where they, UCLA does a, uh, has a cognitive sciences department that actually has done a lot of different research on, on identity and cognition and what it is other than just chemical reactions. Right. That's fascinating. It really is. So like I'm, I'm, I'm of the firm belief that we're not just a bag of bones and blood Flesh with and skin. A, a little bit of primordial, primordial happenings going on inside of us by the law of nature. I, I think that, and I hope that when we leave this plane of existence, this earth, our bodies, that, <clears throat> that it's, that's really impossible for us to just cease to exist. Yeah. Um, I just think that that's the way it's going to happen. I think that, you know, a lot of people subscribe to different faiths and, you know, religions on the basis that, you know, they are seeking, um, you know, salvation or that, that next step, um, which is all, you know, the hope that 
um, that energy. I mean, it really just comes cycles back around to the energy part that that it can't be created or destroyed. Can it dissipate? Can it change into other forms? Yes, it can. You know, the law of thermodynamics allows for that. But, um, you know, everything just comes back around to frequencies and energies i mean it's everything it's it's the universe yep it really is well and here's another uh example and you know this might go toward the whole paranormal uh psychic i feel you know uncle harry's in the room sure and that is um you're married um and you spend you know eight hours a night in a bed next to another person Mm -hmm. now let's say that person uh goes on a trip goes off with friends for for a weekend and you're still at home in that bed you can actually at least i can tell that that person's not there mm-hmm. throughout the whole night of sleep oh yeah 100 differently yeah for sure and that's because your electric field and their electric field have gotten used to and accustomed to each other yeah so this is this is why you know psychics you know they my my problem with psychics is they make broad claims um, with long right. fingernails sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it, it's a long way from going hey you know I, I can sense somebody when they're laying next to me all night Sure. to going to yes um, <laughs> right now there's this little girl sitting in the corner of the yeah. room and she's, and she's upset she's right. mad now, where you know I it it becomes difficult for me to necessarily jump and go, Oh yeah. You know, this particular psychic is so awesome and so correct right. because <laughs> how, how does, you know, and, and I understand getting in touch with, you know, people, you know, sure. a, the, this whole COVID mess has been really awful as far as uh, interpersonal connection with people. People don't shake hands anymore. People don't hug anymore. Yeah, depressing. And it, I think it's actually horrible for mankind because we are uh, pack creatures, and we have to have that connection with others of our kind. It, it's a necessity for our health. Yeah, very much um, so. Everybody's electric fields have you know have an effect on other people. Somebody walks into a room and they're in a poor mood. People can feel it. Yeah. I mean, that, how many oh, yeah. times have you said that vibe? Oh wow, this 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 room. You know, it, should I leave and come back later? Yeah. 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 It, you know, and what you said earlier um, might let with the whole laying next to somebody for an extended period of time, and you know they're not there. That might lead some credence to when you when you're alone in a room, or you believe you're alone in a room, or this could be this could apply towards a, a, a haunted location when you're when you're sitting there by yourself and just kind of feeling the, the atmosphere and you don't actually see anybody come to the room, but maybe an energy actually enters the room and you feel that because your vibrations, your energies change because of that interaction that you can't necessarily see. You can almost physically feel that. Like when you're in a room, the air pressure changes, like there's almost like a ringing. Right. I don't know how to describe that any better, but there's something to that for sure. Absolutely, but we then we still come back to the whole. How, how is it scientifically measurable? Yes, right. that's that's what exactly. really picks my interest. Yeah, it, at this point, our technology isn't at a point that it is truly 
100% scientifically measurable. And you can run around with tri-field meters or cell sensors or whatever. And those are looking for electromagnetics on a much grander scale. Absolutely. Than yeah. what we're talking about with what our human body does. You know, which which may support the fact that not everyone experiences you know, paranormal phenomenon or, or have they ever seen a ghost? You know, a lot of people haven't. A lot of people have, but there's a population of people that have not been experiencers. And the fact that that energy is so minute at times or as a majority would really support why not everybody experiences that kind of phenomenon. Well, and I mean, how many people do you know that go through their life and they just don't connect with other people? Yeah, that's very true. They're just there. There are a lot of people out there that just they can't make any kind of connection, whether it's on a a subatomic uh, electromagnetic level or any kind of level. I mean, there's lots of people who just they don't have the emotions right. or whatever to deal with people. And so those people are, you know, they'll walk into a room. There could be, you know, uh, chairs going across the floor, standing on end, stacking themselves, and they, they wouldn't be able to tell what was going on. That's, that's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> that might uh, go into kind of my next question. So do you think spirit energy theory is applicable to this visual spectrum as well, like IR and full spectrum or even ultraviolet? Well, I, I would think that, you know, when you're talking about this energy, yes, I mean, there, there has to be a way to see it. It's just, like I said, at this current point, we either don't have the technology necessary ah. to see it, or it's, everything's driven in, in our world by economics. So if you stop and think, is there really is it really going to be profitable for me to spend the decades of science and man hours to develop something that looks at this? Because honestly, what's the purpose except turning around and selling it to paranormal researchers? Right. Which is kind of why NASA doesn't put a lot of their budget into SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. There's far greater economic need to get to Mars or explore in our own close atmosphere orbit. So that, that kind of does make sense about the economic part of that. Yeah, well, I have issues when it comes to NASA and JPL, and that a lot of that has to go back to the fact that uh, JPL in particular was founded by occultists. So, <laughs> Really? Well, that is an entire different show that I would like to uh, possibly look into. Oh, that's, that's fascinating that you said that. Okay. Yeah, one of the... Uh, early scientists that helped found JPL was actually a, a uh, member of the Church of Philema uh, started by Alistair Crowley. So, Oh, you're kidding me. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Well, well, actually, he ran the temple, um, the Eastern Temple for uh, Crowley in California um, for uh, 10 or 15 years and actually uh, one of his members was L. Ron Hubbard, and when L. Ron Hubbard left the Church of Thelema, he wrote Dianetics, Dianetics. which was pretty much based on a th on Thelema, and uh, founded Scientology. Yeah, yeah, 
Go, go, Tom Cruise. And that all that yeah. started in California from the, the founders of JPL. Right. So, you know, speaking of energies and Scientology, and this is way off topic, but I used to live in Clearwater, Florida, and I would drive by the, the headquarters of Scientology down there in Clearwater. And you just got that fucking vibe. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like you've been by there. A hundred percent. Maybe that's energy. I'm going way off into the fringes, but hey. man, it is a vibe when you and you just see those people down there and they're doing their thing. But yeah, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that, Kurt. But yeah, very fascinating. Well, this, this is why I said earlier that if if I start to get off track, <laughs> ask me a question to bring me back on because I I I can really uh, divert from topic because I love it. Things firing in my head. Yeah, you're a barrel full of uh, information, like the JPL thing and stuff. That's a whole. It's awesome. That's I'm a whole future you don't show. Know about all that, being that you're a, a space no. uh, lover and a UFO lover. Nope, I need to, and I am, but I need to really dig into uh, things a little bit deeper, I suppose. So I did not know that, but that is a very good topic for later. So, um, but yeah, JPL had all kinds of like uh, early on free love stuff going on in in california wow okay well swinging the topic back (laughs) real quick so one of my favorite instruments um is it just happens to be the tri-field meter so i mean you have you have all these gadgets that you can buy on amazon or ebay or what have you or some of the the mom and pop paranormal shops online that are they're just emf meters that you know they blink and they they light up and they beep and they <clears throat> they really make the the end user the the researcher feel like they're in a lab coat like holy shit i am detecting <laughs> a ghost so my problem is is that like you said kurt they're detecting you know the wiring in the old building and and, and people are going to listen to this and say well i've been Which in buildings that, intended yeah it's exactly it's it's a tool for was. exactly that technology is intended for microwave appliance technicians and and what have you now the tri-field meter why it was my favorite is because you can opt to switch that over to a a geomagnetic setting so you're you're really measuring the geomagnetic field to see if there's a disturbance or manipulation there so going back to the whole energy thing do you think that do you think that spirit energies could manipulate or kind of go against against the grain of uh you know geomagnetic earth resonance i'm sure that it could probably interfere with it um but you got to stop all right so let's say it is uncle harry right his identity is uncle harry he hasn't changed except he's no longer in body form it's just uncle harry's energy how is the tri-field meter going to read uncle harry is over here as an energy entity but not pick you up right so so really we should be disturbing these instruments just as much as uncle harry i mean if you think about it even more so because we're in our physical you know our physical earthly form um and you have all these chemical reactions which are also electromagnetic going on at the same time right so our energy output is going to be higher so the tri-field should just be going like nuts. Nuts. Like us. Right. Right. And, and Versus, it, you know, you walk around and you're holding it and you're like, hmm, nothing's going on. Yeah. The lights are going off. 
And I, I, I guess that's why a lot of people Studio Thirty Five, and all of a sudden, boom, it's going like crazy. Oh, I love Studio Thirty Five, and for those that don't know, Studio Thirty Five is an an old and still operating uh, movie theater. It's a single cinema uh, house that um, it's located in Clintonville, Ohio, and Kurt and I had the pleasure of uh, checking that out back in the day, and uh, just a very very cool place. And there was actually a, I can't get too much into it because there's probably somebody living in it, but there was a, an apartment associated with that, that, uh, location that, that had a rather interesting find, um, up, upstairs in one of the closets. Do you remember what I'm talking about, Kurt? Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. The, yeah. So the, I don't know if I should mention it. You can. Yeah, you can. So, the Memento Mori pictures. Yes, of, of children. Hundreds and hundreds of Memento Mori. Yes, yes. And, and I mean, hundreds, like, and not to go too far into that, but Studio 35, if you're in the central Ohio area, go check out a movie there because you may get more than butter with your popcorn. That was corny, but I do mean it. <laughs> so. Yes, it was. Going back to energy. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite hunts we did. Yeah, yeah, very very memorable for me too. So, And we, we've been to a lot of places, castles and, you know, it, lots of residences and you, you name it. But um, that, that was certainly one of my favorites. But so let me ask you this, Kurt. I have personally, during a, a ghost hunt or a paranormal investigation, I'm not sure what to call it nowadays, but I've personally seen an object move on its own and I don't quite know how to explain that can you relate that to again energy I mean something acted on uh, on the atoms in the object to make it move I mean so things don't move without energy telekinetic energy possibly maybe we thought it I mean, to move well, I mean, that that's always a possibility also. And and I like to take a moment and, and define the difference between the things I'm talking about, which are scientifically provable versus what we believe. Sure. Um, it, it's a, you know, for me, it's an important distinction. I, I've seen apparitions myself sure. and uh, I, I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't be somebody who was interested in paranormal if I didn't have some sort of beliefs that kind of aligned with it. Uh, the difference is when when you're discussing these things is being able to say, okay, this is what I believe. I, I have faith that this thing exists versus I can scientifically prove this. You know, I, I, I identify these days as yeah. a Christian and uh, I, I definitely, I, I, no matter what, I've always believed that, you know, there was a creator out there that created us. And that's a belief. I can't prove it. Sure. I wish I could. You know how rich I'd be if I could prove any of this? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, that we could end all kinds of, you know, human hatred if, if we could prove one thing was true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one common bond. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, it's one of the biggest things is, you know, these religions divide over these small little details and they war over it and they murder each other over it, uh, where if you break things down, especially with the major religions, they all believe the exact same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, precisely. And science really does too, because yeah. you know whether you're talking about spirits and spirituality, you're 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 essentially talking about energy. And even even your your biggest atheist physicist, when they talk about energy, it's a religion to them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's an excellent way to put it. So, Kurt, Ocean Avenue in Long Island, New York. Mm. There's a house that everybody knows about. Which 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 address? I you know, to be honest, I don't it's like 1300. I don't know. It's, it, it's easy, not 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because we all know what goes on there. There's something different going on there. There's something different going on there, which whichever side of the aisle you're on. But well, I believe I believe the address was originally 112 Ocean Avenue. That sounds about um, right. Yeah. So but I believe uh, in sub subsequent decades, the address was uh, requested to be changed because of all of the sightseers. Wow. That that's bizarre oh. because the fucking house stays the same. Right. It's <laughs> unmistakable. They, they, they had the address changed. Uh, oh. I think it it was something ridiculous too. They like took took it down to like one ten. Oh. Which I mean I would never be able to find it's it. It's still gonna be the same spot. Yeah, I would never find it if they changed it by two addresses. <laughs> Holy shit. Right. But yeah, two numbers. Anyhow, tell uh, tell us it, a little bit literally about literally next door to where it was. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it, it's kind of nonsense. But, might as well just throw a sheet um, over it at that point. You poke a little eye holes out. Look it up the... on Wikipedia, and it talks about the address change. Oh wow! I have to check that out. But so, what's new with um? What, what do you know about Amityville? Talk to us. Well, uh, it, I don't know if you know this, but Ron DeFeo Jr., the original killer, uh, killed his family. Right. Um, he died recently. Yes, jail, that's right. Family, after. I mean, how many decades of the people of New York supporting him mm -hmm. and his, I don't know, something like 45 attempts to uh, appeal his case. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it, it was like every year or two he was filing an appeal through his attorneys, which I found out in some of my research that the his original defense attorney was also, I believe, the attorneys for the Lutz family. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. That sounds a little, uh, yeah, peculiar. Yeah. Um, it, hmm. it, it struck me as odd, too, because then, you know, later on, they, that attorney came out and said it was all hoax, so they could right. get out of owning a house and all that. Um, one of the more interesting things is in the last less than a decade, uh, Donald, I believe his name was, uh, Lutz, one hmm. of the children. The, uh, I believe it was the older boy I did a documentary uh, I think it's called My Amityville Horror hmm. um, it was on Netflix for a while I watched it um, and the interesting thing is he basically comes out and says it was all George that uh, George was causing all of the activity and, uh, and the things going on there that uh, George had spent so much time studying the occult oh and was really into the occult and that that's what brought all of that to that house i did not know that so so basically uh, he he unknowingly manifested he that the, go ahead he he unknowingly manifested the the haunting or the situation well i think that donald said that it was intentional but 
um, he he also talked about instances where even though he was like 10 or 12 years old George would would get angry with with the kids and want them to go to their room or whatever and he describes George actually throwing him up a flight of stairs oh wow wow so I you know wow. there was a lot more going on there than than ghosts yeah and you would think I mean I like I have respect for certain people in the paranormal community, but if you bring a psychic into a home to do an investigation and they pick up on a, a pig with glowing eyes at, at, at a window uh, versus yeah. an abusive stepfather situation, hmm. you would think you know, that that would be the first thing they'd clue in on is there's something wrong in this family. Yeah, unless you have motive to to pick up on Jody, the glowing eye pig first. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, it's one of those cases where several different groups were brought in, uh, from the initial reports of the Lutzes, um, all the way through the end of their ownership and, uh, for a few few years until the house sold again afterward, there were, uh, I think, three or four big investigations of the property. Mm-hmm. And none of them picked up on the fact that, you know, George was an abusive stepfather. <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes back to motive because we all know when ghost hunters go into a presumed paranormal location they're there to actually hunt for the ghosts. They want to capture evidence on film or video or EVPs or what have you. They're in it for, I'm sorry, I'm not a bullshitter. They're in it for the thrill. So there's motive. That That's the motive that I'm talking about. You know, if you're not looking deeper into the causal reasons of, you know, why things happen, at, and, and that's a, that is a residential case, true and true, um, you if you're not looking deeper into those causal reasons, you know, there, there's a, there's a reason for it. And that's because people are, aren't well, interested that, in the deep stuff. Well, I think that's, that, that's where we vary when we were doing uh parax. Yeah. Was we were, we really looked at trying to get some sort of resolution. Sure. Rather than, than go, yep, there, you know, look at this cool picture we got, look at these EVPs we picked up. And, and then leaving those people, you know, still going, well, what are we going to do about this? Sure. Absolutely. I, I remember quite a few cases where we were able to resolve, um, you know, at least the burning question, is, is there a ghost in my home for, for several people during our time together at Parex? So that's, that's really a good thing. And I don't think that Amityville as a property or as a story was afforded that very much. I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was investigated with the the proper intent. Yeah. Now I can't remember uh, what when Ed and Lorraine Warren got involved with the Amityville property or the Amityville case. What was that their first big one or was the the whole conjuring house or the the Annabelle even? Was it was that no, I, first? I, I'm trying to remember which came first. It seems to me like wasn't Annabelle in the early nineteen eighties? It, it was certainly early on, for sure. And I'm not a historian of, of all things the Warrens. 
I did have Lorraine on our previous show, Taps Family Radio, at one point, um, where we spoke with her about some of the cases. But I don't recall um, what kind of their hallmark flagship, you know, first case was that kind of put them on the well, map. Amityville was definitely one of their first big cases and might have been the one that thrust them out into the spotlight more. Yeah. But it seems to me that uh, they already had the museum when uh, they investigated Annabelle, uh, if I remember right. Because one of the first things that Ed did was take Annabelle to the museum and encase her in the, the... blessed case that she sits and resides in today sure sure absolutely the thing that disturbs me about like hollywood and the movie changes and things is that annabelle was a a a raggedy ant doll yeah yeah genuinely not some porcelain pretty doll like they show in 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 the conjuring series right it's hollywood yeah yeah for sure I, i remember speaking to John Zaffis at one point, so the Warrens' uh, nephew. Um, yeah, for sure, he he definitely said that there was uh, something to that doll, and you know that the items that are in the museum there. So, you know that that kind of harkens back to the whole energy topic. So, you imagine Absolutely. the energy in that little room down there. <laughs> you know. So. Well, and, and certainly, I mean. If we could figure it out, if we could figure out how to truly um, narrow down the electrical energy around to be able to pinpoint, hey, you know, it's certain nanojoules of electricity that make up, you know, mm-hmm. the reactions in any human life form. And there's no human life form sitting there, but I'm getting the same reading. Right. There's your signature life form. Yeah. Yeah. That's a positive signature that, that would be, uh, that would be game changing for not only paranormal, but science. I mean, that would be absolutely life. That would be, but there's no money in it. (laughs) Yeah. There's no money in it. So how do we make money off this Kurt? Uh, That's a good question. Wow. I always wanted to win James Randi foundation's money. A million bucks. I, I think, uh, we had James Randy on our show as well back in the day for Taps Family Radio, and he was a great guest. Uh, you know, as everyone knows, uh, Mr. Randy is very skeptical, um, rightly so. He's got a lot of valid points, but he, Vanessa, I don't know if you know, but he put he's a he's a magician basically. What what was it, um, James the Amazing Randy or Amazing Randy? Yeah, yeah. So he put up a million bucks of his own money to anyone that can prove in a laboratory setting or reproduce in a laboratory setting that what was it, Kurt ghost or real or paranormal phenomenon exist or any par- paranormal phenomenon. Right. At all. Million bucks, cold, hard cash. Why, wow. why aren't people doing that now? They're just putting it on YouTube and going, Oh, Word. holy shit. No, I agree. I'm ready wow. for that million bucks, but <laughs> yeah, there's really no money in it beyond, you know, some of those, uh, foundations or, you know, trust, but, yeah, that, that's a shame. And, and going back to Amityville, I just don't think it was afforded, like we said, the proper due diligence. And now it's in the history books. And, you know, it's a normal home and some family lives in it that, from what I understand, does not experience any sort of paranormal phenomenon whatsatsoever. Is that kind of where you're at, uh, From my understanding, 
there there's been at least six families that have lived there since and none of them have experienced anything right interesting right i i actually put a topic up on twitter to uh it's either scheduled for today but it was a post that um kind of touched on the conjuring house so and the question was is the conjuring house haunted and if so how is it haunted so and that kind of applies to the Amityville house, you know, was it haunted and what, in what sort of way was it haunted? Um, you know, there's very varying levels or degrees of, of haunting phenomenon that people experience, but like the conjuring house, people go in there. Some people go in there and they say they see, you know, chairs flying around or whatever. And some people go in and we've seen a couple YouTube documentaries and there's some shows on television where people go in and, you know, they, they have the, uh, the levels of things happening, but not to the degree of what, um, you know, the Perrons uh, experienced during the actual haunt, you know, what, what made the case, the case, um, you know, the mother being thrown back, you know, across the room and stuff like that. I think that like the conjuring house or the Amityville house, if it were to be haunted, in my humble opinion, I don't think it's on a level of moving shit around. I don't think it's on the quote unquote demonic spectrum. I think it's probably have some, you know, some residual effects or quality to it. And that's about it. So, you know, it, it really just kind of depends on the experiencer and, and the location. And, well, and, and whether or not your, your research group has people in it that are easily spooked Oh, my goodness. Don't um, get me going on that, Kurt. <laughs> well, I distinctly remember you getting attacked from behind by somebody jumping down a stairwell. So, because he was scared. That did happen in a castle. Oh, boy. Yes. Yeah, that, that did happen. And, and that's kind of what, and we touched on a little bit in the pilot, uh, it kind of irks me, is that a lot of paranormal investigators are driven by their subjective experiences and their feelings their emotions and 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 yet their whole basis is around this science through these instruments i mean like pick pick and choose like which one is it are you are you the fucking instrument or are you letting the the instruments be the instruments like rolling around on the ground saying that you're possessed doesn't necessarily make me believe that the place is haunted or there's a you know, Beelzebub is hanging out in the room with you. And Not in the slightest. So I, I don't know. That, but that's that's a whole topic there, paranormal yeah. television. It's it's kind of crazy, but, yeah. you know, it's a, it's all in the experiencer as well. So Absolutely. Anything else with, Am- or with Amazon? Amazon. With, with Amityville? Amazon. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is was in the... a commercial plug? <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a commercial plug. $59.99. <laughs> Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. The... F- the interesting thing is James Randi just recently died too. Yeah, I forgot all about that, but yeah, you are correct. You are correct. That's um, that's surely a loss. Yeah, the 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 Amityville house, I believe, the last time it sold sold for around eight hundred thousand. Goodness, um, goodness. I mean, property values in New York are crazy. Yeah, uh, back sure. in the in the seventies when the Lutzes bought it. It was eighty four thousand, which was still like double what a normal house would have sold for on the day. Right. So right, right. You know, you're talking, you know, Long Island. So and and still a <laughs> still a beautiful home by all rights oh, today. It, it, 
colonial. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's 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 definitely and a nice area of the state. Yeah, uh, especially when you're talking so close to New York City. Uh, yeah, to have something you know an area that's so pretty. And, you know, uh, speaking of, speaking of um, of shadowy things like New York City, Kurt, do you know anything about the so-called Hat Man phenomenon? Not really. Well, uh, I, I've, I've, of course, I've over the years I've listened to Coast to Coast AM, uh, and so I've heard about shadow people, and right. I assume that this is somewhere along the same lines. Right. Right. Yeah, and I've I've been researching involved in paranormal for a long time, and I just recently heard the term the Hat Man. And I, yeah, the and, hot man was a new term for me too. Yeah, I, I, first thing that popped in my head was was Slender Man or you know the Men in Black. But Vanessa has been digging into the Hat Man phenomenon a little bit, and she's going to kind of share what she knows and to tell us what's going on with this Hat Man. So I've lightly been digging in, but I haven't known it by the Hat Man for any more than the past week. So that's new to me. That whole thing is new to me. And it seems that the hat man and shadow people go hand in hand. Now, depending on who you ask, the hat man is a cryptid or a creature. The hat man is a spirit or a demon or Mm. an entity. Like I said, depending on who you ask. Now, there's only like, there. I don't want to say there's few stories because they're are hundreds and there's a guy goes by the name timothy m brown jr um back in the 1990s now the oldest case that i was actually able to find i'm sure there's older one was actually in 78 1978 um in 78 there's a six-year-old girl who um if you're familiar at all with sleep paralysis, absolutely. As I'm sure most of humanity is, but if you are not, it is a uh, state of paralysis. Sure. <laughs> a state of paralysis. You can't uh, in in your sleep yeah. um, when you. I guess I want to say your body is not done. None, not done dreaming, I guess. I don't know yeah, how to... Your body's asleep, but your mind is fully awake. You, your mind is fully awake. You cannot move anything but your eyes, and your your body is still yeah. in that dream state. I guess uh, from my light research, I it says that um, you your body paralyzes itself while you're dreaming mm-hmm. to keep you safe. It's a protective feature. Yeah. So that was really interesting. I didn't know that because yeah. I've had far well, too many encounters. I, imagine you and I have all these super villain dreams where you know I'm <laughs> I'm kicking the shit out of some you know superhero or maybe I'm the villain and not the hero. I don't know. But anyway, I'm kicking the shit out of somebody. <laughs> right? Imagine if that's going on, you know, in real life while I'm dreaming. Some I'm, I'm I'm kicking the dog or you know flailing around in the bed like some of these paranormal shows. Um, that would be awful. So yeah, that definitely is a biological safety mechanism so that we don't hurt ourselves during dreams. But so with sleep paralysis or others, or yeah. others like the <laughs> wife or, you know, whatever, but, you know, but with sleep paralysis comes with a couple of other characteristics of experiences. And I've been in, 
a sleep paralysis experience or in my teens uh, greatly a lot and some of the things that happened to me were you know ringing of the ears numbness a buzzing sound and that definite feeling that just off the side or that just out of view of my vision while I'm lying there awake staring at the wall or the ceiling something I want to say sinister lurks and I know it's there but I can't move to see it so are we talking about the hat man so from what I gather now I, I don't sit, I'm not a sleep expert by any means so I am I, I sleep the hell out of it so. <laughs> um, but I've had my my run-ins with sleep paralysis episodes where I too have felt um, I have a reoccurring where my bedroom doors open and mm-hmm. the hallway is pitch black and there's one light on in my bedroom and I float off of my bed and I'm starting to f- float towards the black abyss that oh, is yeah. the hallway. Absolutely. But I can't see what it is. I don't know that it's there, but again, I do. There's something in the hallway Yeah. and it's not great. Right. That's just, I don't know. It's a recurring thing for me. Um, and by the time I'm a foot away from that doorway, I wake up. Yeah. So that, and, and, and some people, if you research a little bit about astral projection, mm-hmm. people sleep, have the sleep paralysis phenomenon happen and, and oftentimes leave their body. So they, they're attached and this is just the theory, but they're attached to their physical form by what's known as the third eye string or mm-hmm. the third eye cable or rope. I've heard of this. Where it attaches to your spirit body as you travel. And then when it's time for you to come back to your your physical form, you snap back. And I've heard the, the term snap back like a rubber band used a lot. But what really excites me is that presence. Like what 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 is it? Is it is it? And now a lot of people, and I, I wrote an article in uh, Taps Paramag when it first came. I think it was the first edition, but read an article on sleep paralysis and, um, you know, that whole phenomenon of uh, experiencing the, you know, the, um, the presence and all that. A lot of people subscribe to the theory that that's an, an alien visitation. So little gray men outside your door. But, but why not the hat man? You know, it could be. What, what is it? Is it the hat man, the old hag? Is it an alien? What, so, what are your thoughts? I've read it all at this point. Um, some, if you're skeptical, which there's a large pop, you know, large portion of us that are, that have all these questions, that it's just a simply a hallucination when you're in that state. And although that's possible, um, people from all walks of life are having this same experience without all of these people having a connection with one another. Right. How, if it's just a nightmare or a dream or a hallucination, why is everyone around the world having the same nightmare or dream or hallucination? Yeah, why is it the same? now? Why is it this guy in a hat? And I know we're getting kind of sidetracked. So the guy in the hat, if you don't know anything about it, it's when people are in this state... And people have had this experience with the hat man outside of their sleep in broad daylight. You you know, there's stories on the internet where there's a shadow man cloaked, not cloaked. I want to say like trench coat. Right. Um, and he's got a, t- a wide brim hat. Right. Uh, sometimes like one of those old uh, 
Abraham Lincoln type Sure, like hats. a top hat or a fedora. You you hear it described in all different types of fashion, but um, basically it's always described the same way. And sometimes he's accompanied by other shadow figures. Really? I so have he's read, like yeah. maybe just a boss or something like that. Uh, and that's exactly how people describe him. It felt like he was the boss. And there were two other people with him. And you can't make out, you can never make out features. You can never, um, a lot of people claim to say that he has glowing red eyes, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting to me. It's kind of crazy, but I'm not going to sit here and say that. It's kind of mothman sounded. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here, and, but I'm not going to sit here and say that these things are happening to these people because, you know I, what I mean? I, I firmly believe they're happening because I've experienced it. I haven't seen anything, but. I've physically felt things during these sleep paralysis episodes, these astral projection episodes that I've had as a teenager. Um, but I've never never actually seen what it is that I fear. It's, but it is an overpowering urge to just get out of that situation. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I guess so. The hat part um, kind of kind of uh, piques my interest because hats haven't been around for no. the, the entire existence of humanity. So what? What was the, the visual experience before hats were, I guess, invented? Now, I did also read. I did a lot of reading this week. I just want you to know. Um, That's good. <laughs> reading is very good. Uh, I, so I did read that in some, like, ancient figures. I don't have specific names. Don't come for me. Sure. But some Kurt's ancient. Get you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can feel him through the. No, no. <laughs> um, there were some ancient figures back in the day, uh, call them gods, call sure. them whatever, yeah. um, that were depicted in hat-like. Yeah, headpieces. You know, and, like, yeah. and uh, I don't want to say there are stories because nobody knows anybody from back then. So yeah. you're not going to read about me stories. And, me and King Tut. We go way back, I'm telling you. No, you're not going to read about stories from King well, Tut. Um, it, the, the hat thing could be uh, chronic, chronologically driven. I mean, like the, the order of how hats progress. You know, people are seeing fedoras and top hats nowadays. Maybe like in 20 years they're going to see like wide brim hats or like the hat I have on. or I call it hat. Yeah, trucker hat with a twill. Them crazy people that wear those. And... Um, you know, maybe they're going to see it differently as we progress, but I, it could also be a cultural thing. Like maybe in, in India, they see more of the, you know, the rap or, you know, in different places, they see a different thing. But and I also think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that the hat man is associated with more than just uh, a sleeping mm-hmm. time frame. So it's not necessarily always at night in the room while you're sleeping. No. People see him as shadow people. hundred percent. So that's very interesting. Do you think, so you know about Men in Black as far as, you know, of the Men in Black and mm-hmm. ufology where, you know, they come and knock on people's doors yeah. and, and they're knocking on people's doors to intimidate them or what have you. But, and that's a whole topic, but they're, they're described as being dressed in black, mm-hmm. very classic slender people um, with, you know, wide brim hats that are top hats or fedoras, but could men in black be part of that shadow i mean are men in black creeping into the bedroom while you're having these sleep paralysis fits men in black have also been um described to be aliens so 
I, I don't know. This is whole. This if, it's all fascinating. To if me. the men in black are between seven and ten feet tall, because I haven't read oh. a story where he was not described as extremely tall and like otherworldly tall. So in majority of cases, he's very tall. He's very tall. So that's spooky. Always has a trench coat. Always has a hat. You can never make out features. And most of these are sleep paralysis stories. Ah. However, like I said, you do find stories um, out there that are, I seen a man in a hat in the back of the hallway. Yeah. I seen, you know what I mean? So Right. Kurt, have you ever had a sleep paralysis experience? No, I haven't. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I consider you lucky. It's, it's kind of frightening. Um, I, I, yeah. Well, and that... that that actually brings up an interesting question. So, um, psychologically, uh, you're in a state of sleep paralysis. Does that kick in your primal fight or flight uh, mentality, which then would whatever you're you're consciously seeing, but because your body isn't able to react, you've gone into a fight or flight. And that's why it seems like whatever you think you're perceiving down the hallway or whatever is sinister is because this fight or flight has kicked in. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I I like that. Um, And that's a great question. And so I guess that would uh, another question that can kind of uh, uh, branch off of that would be why aren't people seeing like dinosaurs in the hall? Because I'd be scared shitless of a dinosaur. 100%. There's so many things. You know, and it, but suddenly it's, there's a velociraptor. Yeah, yeah. knocking. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, Jeff yeah. Goldblum is in the hallway and all that. But stop. <laughs> well, he is a slender man. He is very slender. This yeah. is true. Yeah. But um. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just this is so intriguing to me because, and I didn't even tell you this, but last week this Break, is what breaking news. This <laughs> this is what brought me onto this subject was well this is why i chose this subject i guess i should say sure my mom called me out of the blue last week uh-huh and it was more like a facetime she didn't want to borrow kool-aid but she's gonna no she's gonna give you something spooky. she said vanessa you've got to hear this and she flashed her phone because like i said we were on facetime to to pretty credible sources in my opinion family mm-hmm. members of mine okay she's like you gotta hear this and they it was um woman about 30 something mid 30s 14 year old daughter 14 year old daughter starts telling me about experiences that she's been having with sleep paralysis mm-hmm. and a man in a hat sitting at the side of her bed get out of here uh every hair on my just the way like i said this is nobody knows these people like i do this is my family so to me it personally this is pretty credible coming from i probably know them right probably okay this is pretty credible coming from this 14 year old girl this particular 14 year old girl um she says she uh she wakes up probably twice a week and she is frozen in fear. She can't move. She can't scream. 
she can barely move her eyes, but right. her eyes are mobile right. enough Classic to where paralysis. Yeah. So, but every single time there is a man, she always at first thinks it's a home invader. That's the sensation she gets. So okay. I guess that's the fight or flight. Yeah, like Kurt's talking about. Um, that kind of kicks in, and and at that moment, all she wants to do is yell for her mom. Uh-huh. But she also describes feeling like she doesn't want this person or thing to know she's awake. Okay. Does that sound familiar to you at all? To me? My tattoo. Wow. So okay. the, the first line of the book that I'm writing is she did not breathe for fear it would know that she's alive. Yeah. So basically an experience that my mom had before she passed. And it's a whole other topic. It'd be episode 10 of the shadow things podcast. Uh, just, just as sort of an intro, but my mom had an experience where uh, the first thing that was on her mind is not to be detected by whatever it was that was in her room at the time. She felt this, this child felt like, it's better for this person to not know that I'm even sure conscious right now. That's crazy considering it's sitting in a chair. It's sitting right there at, at the end of her bed. Was it on Facebook or on the not at Shadow all. Things Twitter? Okay. Not at all. Okay. And it stayed there and she recalls, here's the kicker, coming out of her state of paralysis. Wow. Completely falling out of her bed in the hopes that when she turned around or turned her head to take a peek Mm -hmm. to see if the entity or person was still there, that it would be gone. She peeked out of the corner of her eye and she said that the man was still sitting there. Okay, so that's a problem. That is a problem. Right. She was completely out of her state of sleep. Uh, That is is not very sleep paralysis oriented when it comes to that presence because normally... The sleep paralysis experiencer does not see the presence. Right. Now, she fell out of the bed and saw, for, for better terms, hat man sitting next to her bed. Uh-huh. What happened next? She took a minute and tried to collect herself. Right. She tried to get her way back into the bed without looking at this thing. She got in back what, into the bed. Is there a door that she can, like... Because I'm fucking gone. This thing is between her <laughs> and the door. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, this, yeah. This thing is between her and the door. The window. Right. <laughs> yeah, the, the window. window. The window is actually, if I can recall, right beside her bed. But okay. So listen, she gets back in bed. She does get back in bed. Mm-hmm. And she, she, the way she described it was, um, she knows that she did fall back asleep, but when she, at some point, moments later, after getting in the bed. She opened her eyes back up, and it was gone. Interesting. So I'm not really sure what to make of that whole story, but that's not something that I feel like this particular person would make up. Yeah. Now, did this particular person describe the actual hat? The hat? Yeah. She said it was the the trench coat man. Get out of here. In a wide brim hat. Wow. And he did not go away when she came out of her state of paralysis. That is super interesting. For a moment, he was still there. Yeah. yeah. She got back in bed, peaked again, and he was gone. Yeah. Now, I've heard I've heard tales or recounts of people that 
would see an apparition or what have you <clears throat> within their proximity and and try to blink or maybe put the cover over their head Count to and 10. and then they they look an instant later and it's still there hmm. so i've heard of that before but i've never heard of the hat man you know being a part of that it sounds to me like that was a shadow person like i and i don't know maybe it's all the same like i don't like disagree kurt saying you know maybe it's all one phenomena mm-hmm. but um you know it but it's interesting that she had the sleep paralysis effect. Maybe that is an actual entity that that affects that upon the sleeper. You know, maybe that's that's part of the theory, and that's part of the theory with the with the alien visitations. A lot of people in ufology believe that aliens have the ability to paralyze us and you know do what they got to do and float us up into the mothership or whatever. Um, you know, and that's all part of the deal. So um, very very interesting. I got to learn more about that off air. Uh, I wish that these two I could bring in here just to let you, if you heard the way that they described these encounters, because it's not the only one she's had. Oh, goodness. The brother, um, a couple years older, uh, has seen this thing in broad daylight. Right, right. And Um, any other paranormal um, characteristics or signatures going on in the home? That, that kind of lean towards this place just being plain old haunted? Noises, uh, doors shutting, that does happen. Sure. Um, voices, yeah. unexplainable. There's a photo, not of the hat man, um, that was caught in the home that I would love to share sometime because it was, it's, you was that can't captured at a it. birthday party by it chance? sure was. Okay, so, so, I've so seen, you know. You want to know a synchronicity that just hit me in the face? What? I looked at that this morning, that very photo. Stop it. Yes. I have not looked at that photo the in The striped years. boy, right? The striped There's a boy. Chocolate. This is a birthday party, and this is the other daughter. Um, okay. And there was not a boy in the, in a striped Sure. Shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent some time uh, analyzing that photo for them. But, yeah, very, very interesting. It, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's so fascinating that... You know, the hat man is kind of a new term, but um, I guess a big question for me would, you know, during the hat man experiences that people have, does he interact at all? I, so during this this particular story that you're sharing, really n- no interaction, but when classic cases of sleep paralysis, you get what's called the old hag uh, syndrome, where people experience and see an old hag or an older woman that jumps on their chest mm-hmm. and suppresses their breathing and sometimes chokes them. Mm-hmm. Does, does hat man have any, he's, he's just more of a, a visual. Just a creeper in the corner. Creeper. Now there are creepers in the corner. Just a creeper in the corner. I'd rather have one outside the window with a flashlight and a pair of goggles and maybe some, uh, some flippers on or something. You know, at 3 a.m. than the hat man. I, I'm here to tell you I couldn't agree more. Now, I got to add quickly that um, I have also read that this this guy. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> this guy comes at the cusp of adulthood for children. Okay. Um, I And they pretty much have reoccurring issues with this entity throughout several years of their life into their adulthood and then it just kind of stops um whether that be in their dreams or in a sleep paralysis state or in broad daylight they can see him walk around the corner out of the corner of their eye all kinds of different scenarios um 
I have read where there has been death come from situations. From the apparition appearance of a shadow person? In children. In children who have... Now, I don't... I'm not going to say this is all factual because I don't know how credible it is, but I've read that there have been death deaths in children with heart defects. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of got to throw my hands up at that part because I don't, like I said, I'm not, I don't know. But in children with some kind of heart defect or some sort of health problem, okay. their hearts can't handle the experience. Right. I can relate to that, actually. I'm scared shitless sometimes. They simply can't handle the experience. Right. And it's caused death. Okay. So to speak. That is, wow. Intense. Yeah, that's pretty intense. That's, that's that frightening, basically. It's yeah. apparently really frightening, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it, I guess. Kurt, have you ever seen a shadow person? I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything I would consider a shadow person. I mean, I, uh, I've seen apparitions. Uh, it's it's been a long time. Sure. Uh, but uh, not not anything I would describe as as a man in a hat or a very tall, slender, shadowy figure at all. So yeah, no, I would say I probably have it. But then again, I also have never experienced the sleep paralysis thing. Yeah, it, to each your own. I mean, there's there's different times and um, conditions for people to experience things, you know, independently. So I guess a lot of people. I think everybody from, and whether you believe it or not, everybody experiences seeing a shadow from time to time. And a, and a lot of the skeptics are people that are not interested in this podcast <laughs> would just simply brush it off as, as a fucking shadow, you know? I mean, right. But to me, I'm like, I want to know what created it. And some people take it a step further and associate it with it being a ghost. And they take it a step further sometimes and associate it with it being a person or a past person mm-hmm. um, because it's black or shadowy or dark or a black mass. They associate it with badness or evil. So you think the hat man and the old hag and, you know, the shadow, the general shadow person experience for people. Do you think that that Vanessa is, um, is, is usually on the bad spectrum for people? Do you think they tie the shadowy type experiences in? Because it's the color black or dark? I would almost say that has to be an element to it. Like, of course. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think God's going to come into your room or some angel, the archangel, uh, black. I don't think. Not. I don't know, but. I would hope not. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Kurt can help us with that. I don't know. Uh, I think that uh, whether it was uh, benevolent or malevolent, and you were in a state of sleep paralysis and opened your eyes and it was there, it would bug you no matter if it was a good thing sure. or a bad thing. It's an intruder, yeah. Right. That uh, fight or flight. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we honestly, our, our bedrooms are, are, are a sacred place to us. It's where we lay down and make ourselves most vulnerable. Right. So right. anytime there's an intruder in that in that space, regardless of who or what the intruder is, it's going to be earth-shaking and 
Yeah, that's it. No that's matter what ex- color they are. I you, mean, it could be a, a, a red glow. It wouldn't. You're matter. 100% right. <laughs> that's a great point. That's a great point. I just think generally people associate darkness with the, you know, black or the fear of not really knowing what it is, I guess. But yeah. Maybe Guys that, in a black hat in a cowboy movie. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, the good guy wears white or whatever, brown, but the, the, the bad guy is always wearing black. 100%. Yeah, fistful of dollars and all them good Clint Eastwood spaghetti yeah. westerns. They all got black on. Definitely. Um, Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Unrelated. It's related, but fun fact. Did you know? No, you didn't. Um, well, that, shit. <laughs> that <laughs> this whole thing was partially the inspiration for the film A Nightmare on Elm Street. If you know anything about Freddy Krueger... I know he's pretty scary. He's pretty awful. I can't sit through a Freddy Krueger movie, personally. But he has a striped sweater. He has a striped sweater. He does. It's a. Cool, it's a Christmas sweater. It's a <laughs> And he has a fedora. Christmas sweater. Yeah. Um, but he comes in your dreams, in your right. sleep, in your oh shit, in your micro naps, in your uh, your lucid dreams. Yeah, and, he does have a hat. And he kills you. So I don't. That was. I, he, I would. I would associate him or label him more as the glove man, though. Maybe that's a new thing. We the can awful start. man, in yeah. my opinion. But I did not know that. So there was a basis around that. Yes, so that was that. part of it. I know there was like. I'm pretty sure there was an actual guy named Fred. Fred Krueger or something shit, like that. Shit, I don't know. I I thought it was all made up, but no, I'm pretty sure there's some truth to that story. Not that there's a man with scissors on his or knives on his not Edward scissor hands, but <laughs> knives. He's got <laughs> knives, not scissors. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he didn't have all of that good stuff, but sure. Um, I think it was based around a real guy. Yeah, who worked at like an elementary or something? He was kind of that's pretty cool. Creepy. In elementary school, we we all dreamed up the whole. Uh, I guess it was fact to us that Freddy Krueger was haunting our boiler room in elementary school. Tight. And we would see him out in the playground and all this stuff, and try to get off of school early because we didn't want to get you know clawed up and shit. That so. sounds like something I would have done. Yeah, were Fred- you sleeping in class? <laughs> uh, oh that no, that is a distinct possibility, Kurt. Oh no. Very distinct well, possibility. I mean, Freddie can only get you if you're sleeping. That's so. true. Yeah. Mr. McLeod in third grade was very boring, so I probably was asleep. I bet you were lucid dreaming. Yeah. I We really, as kids, believed in Freddie, like that he was at school. Yeah. But um, I did not know it was tied to kind of like sleeping. And, of course, that's part of the story, but sleep paralysis yeah. and the fact that some boogeyman, for, for better terms, comes and gets people. But the shadow man doesn't get people. He just kind of creeps. Yeah, he. I'd rather for you to get me. If you're gonna be in my bedroom, that sacred place, you like better Chris have says, a damn purpose. First yeah, of all, you just do it up, man. And you better hope that you kill me because I'm coming for you. Right. Like, and, and interestingly, that you said that when I have these these um, paralysis, and it's been many years, but when I would have them, my instinct was not really to fear it. Over time, I wanted to get at it. I was pissed off because it was in my proximity. Like, I've experienced that. Like Kurt said, that. that is my sacred place. Besides the bathroom, that's sacred too. Don't ever come into the bathroom with me because that's my that's my stuff in there. That's the, the porcelain throne. But when you're in your bedroom, you just don't want anybody else in there. Right? No. Like, so I got 
I got angry over time, and and I don't mean for the listeners and the, and the YouTube viewers. I don't mean to poke fun at the whole topic, right? But I mean, you got to have some fun. But and but some people genuinely have um, problems or issues or mental health issues that relate to these experiences, and yeah. whether or not it's an entity based issue or a mental health based issue or just part of our natural being, you know, part of being a human, um, people do experience it. And I, and I hope that people that do experience it find some peace and solace and, yeah. you know, maybe um, listen to us and maybe even find a little bit of humor. But, um, yeah, in the future, I hope to take some, some guest callers maybe and, and uh, bring some people on that's had some, uh, you know, some very deep experiences relating to sleep paralysis or the hat man. The hat man. Yeah. So real quick. Another great human reaction is to make fun of things that actually cause you anxiety. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's. It's a coping me- mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I don't make fun of sharks. Um, I, that's my greatest There's nothing fear. nothing funny about sharks. Nothing funny. They're, they're Satan in the water. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. Well, that's, <laughs> it's true, but. It's a large eating machine. Yeah, That's just, all it just eats. Like Stop it. They're when cute. I, when I want a number two combo at the McDonald's, you know, it's like, get the fuck out of my way. I'm going to eat it. And Word. that's what sharks do. Yep. But anyhow, that's not paranormal topic related. But um, <laughs> yeah. So one more thing about, about the hat man is, so we all know about Slender Man. We had this whole slender man boom over the past five years we've Mm -hmm. had movies come out and um stuff like that but so it's became a topic in mainstream now slender man wears a hat correct in some or is he just the bald guy in some depictions of the slender man i have seen him in a hat yeah not often so he's like the old guy in Phantasm. You remember that movie? Kurt, another synchronicity. I just watched Phantasm 1 and 2 last week. You guys are giving me the creeps. Boy. <laughs> Fantastic, scary of, movie. When I think of the Slender Man thing, that's what I always picture yeah. is, is the guy from Phantasm. Right. Like, do you like how he picked up that coffin when nobody was looking and just winged it in the back of that hearst? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very very slender, but kind of the same type of attire and everything, all black. But typically, yeah. Slender Man is depicted as a white face, no face. I'm sorry, he does not ever have a face um, in a black suit. Have you seen Sir No Face? No. Okay, we'll talk about that later on. But that's yeah, just kind of reminded me of that. But yeah, Slender Man's been a whole thing, but more associated with uh, outdoors. Uh, typically context. in the woods, but. <laughs> All kind of centered around a story that happened in real life about two girls that, three girls, I think, that were involved in a criminal case where uh, one of the girls actually got... Was, murdered. Was she murdered? They, two very of the tragic. girls murdered her. Yep. Yeah, a very tragic story that was really based entirely around um, their belief in Slender Man, or at mm-hmm. least one girl's belief in Slender Man. Yep. But uh, I'm not an expert on that story, but... You know, it's another shadowy figure with a with a hat. So maybe hats are a thing. You know, people see entities and apparitions that don't have hats, but I think the whole hat lends some some eeriness to that experience. I guess so. Maybe it's just some sort of like association with a, a discomfort. Like 
you're in a state of sleep or you're minding your business and you see somebody and they have a hat and it's uncomfortable. I don't know. For I don't sure. know. I don't even know where I'm going with that, but you uh, get it. Culturally, uh, you don't wear hats inside normally. So yes, you'd you know, only this be guy a... sitting by your bed. He's got a hat on. Right. Why's he got a hat on? I didn't even think about that. Is either. he going somewhere? Or is he taking me somewhere? Oh, Kurt, stop it. I'm not sleeping tonight <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> Kurt, you're never coming on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point like why why do you have a hat on like who wears and a, a coat who wears a hat you know who wears a hat inside like me that i'm doing right now a trench coat like, yeah trench coat that's that's actually pretty uh creepy see i'm not thinking about any of these things until now so yeah jeepers creepers Sorry. had a trench coat as well yeah thanks kurt <laughs> But, but seriously, it is a real phenomenon that people, you know, some people might be listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube just because their experiencers are interested in the hat man or the paranormal or paranormal, the sleep paralysis uh, phenomenon as a whole. Because it's, I think, by far and away, people experience these things than they do, you know, seeing the typical Scooby-Doo classic haunting type stuff going on in their home. So... I think uh, it, it may be taboo for people to talk about, too. You know, you don't really go to the breakfast table and say, hey, mom, I get scared shitless last night. I couldn't move. There's something in the doorway. Right. So, I mean, but people, it's a real phenomenon, just like, I, and I don't take anything away from Bigfoot experiencers or UFO experiencers, ghost experiencers. It's a real phenomenon. People are having things happening at night or in the woods and seeing Something, you know, a person, a figure, a, you know, a human form with a hat on or without a hat on. It's very spooky. It's a real situation for some people and an excellent topic here on the Shadow Things podcast. So we're going to wrap up. Uh, we're going to talk next week about uh, the state of, you know, all things demonology related. So we're talking angels and demons next, next, uh, not next week, but the next podcast. So episode three. But for now, I want to thank Kurt Ehas, my good friend, for coming on today and talking about uh, the topics that he's uh, delivered to us so uh, so nicely. It's always great to talk to you, Kurt, and I hope you will come back for another future episode. Oh, I definitely will. Well, thank you, sir, and you have a good one, and we will talk to you later. And that's it for this week's show. Thanks for stopping by and sitting around the campfire with us or hanging out in the creepy attic listening to this now in the books episode of the shadow things podcast and just remember on behalf of myself and my co-host stay in the light and out of the shadows